more to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Jason Com, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives through the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 26, What We Believe and Why. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Jason Kahn. We're glad that you're with us this week as we take a look at the creed and why the creeds matter. Uh, this is important as we've been going through the various aspects of uh, the first, second, and third article of the Apostles' Creed. But when it's all said and done, what does it matter? Why do we have creeds? And so that's what this unit's going to be all about. So I want to look back real quick. Our first major unit of study for this Living the Faith series was, of course, the Ten Commandments. And as we reviewed, the Ten Commandments teach us what we are supposed to do as God's people, but cannot. So this is God's law, tells us what to do. Now, the creeds, in contrast to that, we went over that next because the creeds teach us what God does. There's a lot of gospel to be found in the creeds, how God the Father created everything without anybody asking him to do it, how God the Son came to this world and died and rose again without anybody deserving it, and how the Holy Spirit continues to bring more people into the church, into the faith through his own work without anybody asking him to. So it's all about what God does as God. And it's not just what he used to do in the past, but it's actually what God continues to do. So he sustains and forgives and sanctifies and gives so many more gifts to the church in the present day. And we learn this all through the creeds. And so not only does it look back at the at God's whole story, but it also looks to today to see how his hand is continuing to work in this world. Now, the simplest way to think of the creeds is this, who God is and what God does. Now, the scripture tells us who God is and who we are in relation to him. It starts all the way in Genesis chapter one with creation and how we're the very crown of his creation and how there was this perfect relationship but how that was broken. The creeds draw from the scriptures. In other words, it's not like this unique outside of scripture. You cannot view the creeds without seeing their interconnectedness uh, to the scriptures. Oftentimes, as we're teaching about the creeds to confirmation students, we remind them that the creeds weren't written by the apostles, but they they contain the teachings of the apostles. And of course, the teachings of the apostles are found in the scriptures. And as we've said several times when talking about these creeds, they were born out of controversy. So people couldn't agree as to who God is and what God does. Everybody had different ideas that they thought were correct from the scriptures, and some even went outside the scriptures to figure out who God is. So imagine trying to explain God without having any of these creeds to guide you. Like, where would you start? Where would you even begin? And so we hope that you've been able to see that the creeds are this wonderful tool that are rightly drawn from the scriptures that shortly and sweetly tell us very simply who God is and what God does. And easily put, God is Trinity. So he is one, inseparably one, but he is also the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's about as much explanation as we get in the scriptures. 
And it's really important because in the day and time that we live in, one of the big questions that's out there is, what is truth? And you're going to find all kinds of explanations, all kinds of philosophical answers to that. And for us as Christians, if we're going to ask that question, what is truth, where is it that we should turn? We should turn to the scriptures because in human reasoning, uh, it's so easy to get twisted and turned. And you can see how easy the truth can be turned. And the question is asked in scripture by Pontius Pilate. It, Jesus is arrested. He's been brought on trial before the Sanhedrin. They now bring him to the public authorities, to, to uh, Pontius Pilate. He's confused. Okay, what is this? And so he asks the question, what is truth? It's very important as we look to John uh, chapter 18, as we reference that. Uh, and he asks that question, what is truth? But Jesus doesn't really give an answer. You could check this for yourself if you want to, but Jesus and Pilate, they talk a lot more in the Gospel of John than any other gospel. And it's a lot of philosophical debate going back and forth. And eventually, Pilate ends a discussion by asking Jesus this question, what is truth? Because Jesus makes this comment about it. But then Jesus doesn't give him an answer. That question just hangs in the air. And so I learned this uh, back in college um, a few years ago, but Christians don't ask so much what is truth, but they more so ask who is truth because our concept of it is much different than anyone else. And so just to frame this a bit better, everyone on earth believes in something. Everyone does some sort of truth that guides their lives. So even an atheist who doesn't believe there's any sort of gods or divine power, they live as if that is their truth. Now, I'm sure that they would disagree with, with me saying that they have some sort of a truth because that's kind of the whole point is that there is no truth, but they would live as if that were true. So everyone is pursuing something. Well, and think of it this way. Just because I say there's no truth, that is my truth. And, and so I can argue the fact that there is no truth, but by arguing the fact that there is no truth, I'm showing that's my idea of what is truth. And so you see this circular argument that comes in that, and that really is the struggle for us as Christians when we try to get in some kind of debate. You can't debate an answer or an understanding to someone who believes that there's not a truth. You can put out the facts before them, and let them work it through. But debating with them, there's a circular argument to this, uh, because obviously when you say there is no truth, that becomes your truth, so therefore there is truth. And round and round you go without really going anywhere. But all religions that have been thought of, all religions pursue some sort of truth. They, they seek to give some sort of an interpretation or an explanation of the universe, how it came to be, and it also seeks to explain our place or our role in that universe. And so it's wildly different depending on, on which religion you're, you're a part of here. But Christianity as a whole stands out as very unique because, as I mentioned earlier, all these other religions on earth, they pursue a sort of truth, some sort of knowledge or explanation. But we pursue a person. We pursue Jesus, the son of the living God. And that truth is set within a story. This is hearkening back to our Trek to the Scriptures from last year. This isn't just the story of salvation we're talking about, but the story of literally everything in existence because God made it all. It all belongs to him. 
humanity, uh, human beings screwed things up and brought sin into the world. And then God set out to restore his creation, all of it, not just human beings, but everything that he made. And so we find our truth set within this story, God's story. And it culminates with him sending Jesus to this earth to redeem everything. And so you won't find any other religions that place such an emphasis on a story like this or on other concepts that are uh, pillars of what we believe, like faith and how present God is in this world. Um, our God is very strange compared to all the other false gods because all of the false gods, they're like far off and you have to do a lot to get their attention. Um, but the God of the scriptures, our God, he is ever present with us all the time. That's what it means to be Emmanuel, God with us. And it doesn't mean that these other religions don't talk about faith, don't talk about some story of salvation, so to speak, but it all revolves around what we need to do to get to God, not what God has done to get us to him. And so when you break down all these various religions, and there are lots of them to study, believe me, uh, we spend lots of time at seminary and college studying these various religions, and there always seems to be new ones popping up, but it's interesting how the concept still comes back to what we as human beings need to do to get to God or to be God. I mean, for some, there is to make yourself a God and to be a God, and it all revolves around that work or action on our part, whereas the flip side in Christianity, that story of salvation reminds us again and again, it's God's action towards us, concept on uh, faith in this a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the concept that he is the one that is drawing us to him, not us drawing him to us. And this is exemplified in the creeds themselves. Think of the creeds as short stories about God's story. It's, it's just a brief, succinct way to put it. And the reason that we say it all the time is to remember who God is and what God does. So I know that you may be bored of just saying the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed over and over and over again on a Sunday, but maybe think of it this way. This is God's story that we're talking about, and God is the main character in existence. That's what life is all about. It's rooted in God. It is a gift from God, and everything belongs to Him. And so, instead of trying to search through the scriptures and put something together ourselves, we have this creed, these creeds that rightly tell the story for us. And there is a lot to learn from God's story um, that we may not realize. And so we hope that uh, as we've gone through these three articles, the Apostles' Creed together, um, that you have learned more about God, your relationship with him, and more about his continued work in this world. So somebody asks you the question, what do you believe? How do you get there. Uh, you can hand them the Bible, say, this is what I believe. Of course, with all the 66 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament, there's a lot to get through there. Um, and as we remember from Trek Through the Scriptures, several of the books in the Old Testament get a little thick. Uh, and so if you hand them that, say, okay, this is what we believe, and they'll look at it like, oh, okay, and where am I supposed to start? Uh, it gets back to the very simple nature of the explanation of salvation, who God is, in the Apostles' Creed. If someone asks you that question, you can simply say, this is what I believe. Uh, God the Father is, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And really, that's the kind of question that Jesus asks his disciples to consider, uh, you know, who do 
people or who do men say that I am? Uh, that's That seems like a simple enough question. But while it's a simple question, it can be a rather complex answer when you're trying to get there. And there's actually a lot of pressure on this answer because only the church can answer this question. This is something that Jesus has tasked his followers with revealing. And so we are responsible for making Christ known to others. We have, we have this God-given duty of living as his witnesses, and we only know who God is through the scriptures. You know, we, we can't search for some sort of truth outside of what God has revealed to us in his word because it's all there. And so as Christians, we are called to be these living testimonies of God, who God is and what God does. And the creeds are this invaluable resource for us because already you have sort of this basic structure that you likely have memorized of, okay, I believe in God the Father. He is the maker of all things. He's the creator. I believe in God the Son. That's the Father's Son, our Lord, who he came from heaven to earth to live as a human, died on the cross, rose again from the grave, and will come back. I believe in God, the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings people into the faith and sanctifies the entire church on earth, makes everyone holy. And so we have that basic skeleton of sharing the story of God in our heads just because we go over this Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed so much. Well, and one of the things that you mentioned was we are to be these living witnesses, uh, you might say testimonies to who God is and how we live and how we act. Now, stop and think for a moment how much that we, in our sinfulness, though, get in the way of living out that testimony. Uh, that's where the beauty and simplicity of the creeds come in. Because it's easy for us to say, well, being a Christian is you you got to do this and you got to do that. Well, wait a minute. I thought you just said it was about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and we need to step back as Christians to not just recite the Apostles' Creed, as we said, live the Apostles' Creed, but ask ourselves this question, what does that mean to live the Apostles' Creed? Does it mean that I have to dress a certain way? Does it mean I need to talk a certain way? Does it mean I need to sing a certain way? Does it need to, all these things that we add to it? And if we stop back, step back and think about it, it makes us a lot like the Pharisees of the Old Testament into the New Testament, adding all these things onto God's revelation. And when we peel it all back, what do we have? The Apostles' Creed, who God is. And so you can think of a Christian as a person that lives according to a certain account, a certain story. We are people that live as if God's story were true, and it is true. Um, and so to, to put this in easier terms, um, maybe try asking yourself, how does a person who believes I'm a baptized child of God how does that person live differently from someone that doesn't believe that? So if I'm a baptized child of God, that means that I belong to God and that God belongs to me. It means that God has claimed me as his own and I have this duty to live as he wants me to, but I can't because I'm a sinful human and I screw up all the time. But because I'm a baptized child of God, he forgives me richly, daily, all the time, and actually strengthens me to live in the ways that he wants us to. So do I act one way when I 
am in the church building when I'm with fellow believers and then I'm out in the world and act a different way? Or am I the same person living out that life of faith when I'm in the building that happens to be the church that I attend or, or and being something different outside it? Or am I the same? Uh, one of the things that I, I talk about uh, is the fact that I am privileged to not only be pastor of Zion Lutheran Church here in Bismarck, but also the head coach of a local high school soccer team. Uh, obviously, the players on the soccer team do not refer to me as Pastor Marcus. Um, it's either coach or Marcus. They call me by my last name. I'm not sure exactly where that came from, but nevertheless. And the, qu the question is, uh, am I a different person when I'm at the field on soccer or when I'm at church? And the answer is no, I'm still Pastor Marcus, whether I'm at Zion Lutheran Church or I'm out on the soccer field. And the kids know that. They know that by my language and by the way I act. Um, doesn't mean that I don't push them. Doesn't mean that I don't treat them as a coach. The answer is absolutely yes. But when it's all said and done, they know who I am by what I say, not just the title that I happen to have outside the soccer field, but who I am and what I am. And I think that that's important that all of us as Christians need to ask ourselves, when I'm outside the context of a Christian setting, do people know I'm a Christian by how I live? And if I, they would ask, what would I say? How would I act? And the Apostles' Creed brings us back to it all comes down to who God is and what he does and has done and continues to do for us. And we live on account of this story of everything, and it all finds its center, its focus in Jesus Christ. And he himself claims that he is the way and the truth and the life. So our truth is not some concept, but our truth is actually a person. It's actually God himself who came to earth as a human who died for us and rose again to win us eternal life. And if you look at uh, toward the end of the book of John, the gospel of John, you'll see that the whole reason for writing it is right there. I think at the end of chapter 20, he said, these words are written that you may believe in Jesus Christ and have eternal life in his name. And eternal life is not something we have to wait for. It's a gift that God gives to us right now. We already have this gift of eternal life. And so we get to live out our lives as if this is true, rejoicing in God's promises and his grace and living as a child of him in his kingdom. And the Bible passage that Vicar just quoted is very critical because it shows you why it's important that we go back to the language in which the scriptures were written and ask the question, what and how is it written? Because notice, it doesn't say Jesus is a way or a truth or a life. But if you go back to the original, it says he is the way, the truth, the life, not a way among many or not a truth among many, not a life among many, but he is the way, the truth, the life. And for us as Christians, that in and of itself should make a difference. And the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed help us focus in on what that way, truth, and life really is and how we are to apply it to our lives. It's not merely words that we rattle off during the worship service and say, okay, can we move on to the next section here? We've, we've said that already uh, hundreds of times as we've been in worship. No, it actually has deep meaning for not only the worship service, but also in how we live and act in our life. And so he is the way, the truth, the life. 
and there is no other. There's no other way, no other God, no other way to get into heaven. And that's another difference between Christianity and other religions is that some will claim, well, whichever way works out for you to interpret everything, that's that's fine and good. Um, but that's not how, that's not the picture that the scriptures paints, that there's only one God, our God, the living God, and the only way to be with him is through Jesus himself. And again, grace alone means that God does it all. So God does everything to bring us to his side. He sent his son for us. He's given us his Holy Spirit and baptism. He continues to richly and daily forgive us our sins and assure us that we are forgiven and that we are deeply loved. And you won't find that anywhere else. There's just, there's no other way. There's no other person that loves us so much as the Lord. And as we've gone through the Apostles' Creed, the first article, second article, third article, as we've, we've come to this point, we're reminded again and again, not only of our sinfulness, but of our forgiven and how he continues to do that, even though we each and every day, hour upon hour, uh, make those sinful mistakes, turn away from him, and yet he's drawing us into him. But it also speaks to us of the important nature of getting the word out. Uh, you might say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not in the pulpit, how do I get the word out? Well, by how we live and how we act says a lot more many times than what we say. Uh, so realize that the life that we live as Christians is indeed a witness to the truth. And that truth being Jesus Christ, as we've clearly pointed out here. And so it's an exciting time to live in the world that we live in. It's full of sin, full of trouble, full of strife, and yet we we are privileged to be beacons of light to what that truth is, that truth being Jesus Christ, and it comes across as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, as you go through this week, as you go through the readings, we hope that this uh, draws attention to the important nature of the creeds, but also ultimately what Scripture tells us and what is found in the creeds as we live out that life of faith. Lord's blessings in your studies and reflections this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.